1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Dennis Prager. From the Wall Street Journal, chaos straight out of Compton. The looting of Los Angeles area bakery is a case study in the reason there are quote-unquote food deserts in the United States. So listen to this story here. The left wants voters to believe the post-pandemic crime surge is over. Did they ever acknowledge it existed? No. <laughs> but crime remains elevated in many American cities, and the public and criminals know the lawlessness is still too often tolerated. Witness the extraordinary raid on a business straight out of Compton, California, not far from where I am broadcasting. The chaos began early Tuesday... When a vehicle backed through a security gate into Ruben's Bakery and Mexican Food, a mob of more than one hundred then rushed into the store, stealing groceries, lottery tickets, and even meat scales, and causing further damage. One hundred. Even if the police are there, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to stop. Let me stop a hundred people. The pillaging was preceded by a street takeover, where lawbreakers block off intersections and hold street races and other spectacles of reckless driving. Street takeovers surged after the pandemic in and around Los Angeles and continue to plague Compton. Compton is a minority area. I think it's largely black. Is that correct? I want to take a look at the ethnic uh, racial composition of Compton. I wonder if the people of Compton, what the people of Compton think about defunding the police. Inherently lawless, the takeovers are often accompanied by other crimes. During one eight-month stretch in 2022, at least six people died in crashes and shootings during the takeovers in the LA area. Last April, another large mob of looters targeted a Compton gas station after a similar illegal shutdown of city streets. The Los Angeles Sheriff's Department did not reply to our inquiry by deadline Thursday, but earlier this week, the local press reported that no one had been arrested in connection with the ransacking of Rubens. That's perhaps the most important sentence in the story. Bad people are very often rational. That's why reason alone is not, uh, is not enough to make a good world or make good people. Bad people use reason. It's very reasonable to say, I will rob a store and get things without working for them, or th- at least without paying for them legitimately especially since the police won't do anything in almost any democratic controlled democrat controlled city this is new there was a legitimate and very necessary fear of police on the part of most citizens it's one of the groups that one should have fear of. When there is no fear of police and no fear of God and no fear of Dad, society is screwed. There's another equation for you from the Prager set of social equations like secularism plus affluence equals boredom. Equals violence. Yep. No fear of police, no fear of fathers, and no fear of God. I had fear of all three growing up, now that I think of it. Yep. It's a good thing. California Highway Patrol and Los Angeles sheriffs and police departments told the LA Times in August 2022 that, quote, they lack the staffing to safely stop, unquote, takeovers, and officers have sometimes been, quote, discouraged from pursuing suspects in the interest of public safety. Theft of less than $950 is a misdemeanor in California if it is prosecuted at all. And that's another another thing that Democrats passed. You can steal under nine hundred and fifty dollars in California. It's equivalent to Jaywalking. It's an interesting question. If you steal nine hundred and forty nine dollars on Monday and then nine hundred and forty nine dollars on Tuesday, is is it all are they all considered misdemeanors? Do you know? It's not so. added up. I don't think so. No. Huh. So at that rate, you can uh, you can make five thousand bucks a week. More if you do it every day, but I, I, I got to take a day off. You know, it's hard work, smashing a car through a. You know, oh, a different store the same day. Yeah, you, that's right. You could sort of like work harder on Tuesday, and take Wednesday off. Progressives often complain about food deserts in cities that they say are the result of racism. But here is local small business that braves a rough neighborhood and is rewarded with looting and destruction. Food deserts follow where there are law and order deserts. Or, to put it another way, it is not poverty that causes crime nearly as much as crime that causes poverty. Yeah. Think you'll get a, uh, an editorial like that in the New York Times? I don't think so. The most popular comment in the on the article in the Wall Street Journal, you get what you vote for, and Californians voted for this. I voted with my feet and moved to another state. Wow. That's an interesting, here's a response by a reader named Cynthia Hilson. Me as well. Five years ago, and I am a California native of 60 years. So it was tough. Best decision ever. Scott M. Stewart. Ditto. (laughs) Yeah. Ditto. A lot of dittos here. The number, is that, no, it's not in that article.
0: No, it
1: was in last Last night? No, the night before. Oh, uh, what were the numbers on U-Haul? California again leads the country. California leads on U-Hauls leaving. Yeah. I know, I know, uh, I, friends, uh, long-time friends of mine, their son and, and daughter and grandchildren have moved, uh, moved from New Jersey to uh, California, and I asked them if they had to pay for their U-Haul. Because they're doing U-Haul a service, bringing a bringing a truck back, oh, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, well, U-Haul should pay them. To go, to go to California. <laughs> yeah, to go to California, right? Yep. Everything the left touches, it destroys. It, it's an odd thing when you think about it that every it's true for everything. There's no good that the left does. There's good that liberals do. There's good that conservatives do. There's no good that the left does. The left only hurts. And it's a very odd thing because you would think people are sometimes right. The price Germany pays for net zero. The cost keeps rising and rising, estimated to be $2 trillion In five, in six years, 2030. Two trillion dollars. That'll be more than that. Germans stopped counting long ago, but the rest of the world still might be interested in what Europe's largest economy is paying to accomplish its transition to net zero carbon emissions. The short answer, there's a reason Germans prefer not to know. the uh, The left is wrong on on this as well, of course they're as wrong as they were about lockdowns and people listened because the experts and all the media told them you have to lock down to save lives you have to destroy the economy of the world it's not just the West in order to be net zero We'll be back. There are many good reasons to buy gold and silver, bank failures, digital currency volatility, emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as a global reserve currency. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin, and Bullion, my choice. For precious metals, if you ask my friend and AmFed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, that $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. But the gold piece is worth about $2,000, which would you rather own? So let's simplify the reasons to use AmFed Coin and Bullion. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com.
2: In my time of need, whenever I'm down,
1: reading to you about the German economy, they'll, they'll be spending a, another $2 trillion within the next six years on uh, green energy. It's a hysteria that the, the Germans are particularly prone to. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenon that one has to just acknowledge. Germany is almost always wrong. I I usually say Germany is always wrong. But always. The left is always wrong. There are times when the the Germans take a different position. Rarely, but sometimes. The total cost approaching net zero at $1.9 trillion between now and the end of 2030. That's around €240 billion a year. Oh, I'm sorry, I said, I, did I say dollars, $2 trillion? Yeah, well, it's euro, so it is $2 trillion, 1.9 is more. That's around 240 billion euro a year for those keeping score at home. We couldn't believe it either, but we checked. And this is only for Germany, not for the entire European Union. Also, this counts only new investment. Older windmills and solar panels that require replacing in coming years will cost extra. The editorial in the Wall Street Journal ends, This is a warning for everyone else, because Germany and Europe generally is much further down the path of the net zero transition than the U.S. Two decades and uncountable hundreds of billions of euros into its energy transformation Germany's net-zero bills never shrink, and the promised boom in green industries and jobs never materializes. Does Washington feel any luckier? They, Of course they do, but they don't count on luck. They count on having the pliant media, like Pravda in the Soviet Union, do their bidding. And so that you have... The phenomenon of young people with climate anxiety. Echo. Echo. Echo anxiety? That's what it's called. Is that right? Yeah. Is yeah. there a special unit of the yeah, left that things comes things. up with terms? Yeah. I don't know where they are, but they Yeah, we that that's truly there there you have the a worldwide conspiracy. How how do we manufacture terms? Uh, what Are there any terms that the right is manufactured? Is woke manufactured by the right, that term? I'm, I'm just curious. I mean,
0: it's used
1: by the right. No, it's used, I know, but who manufactured no, that's it? That's a left term. That's a left term as well? You'll be woke?
0: Yeah. That
1: was... Well... By the way, you know, there was a deadly bomb attack in Iran at a memorial service. What was his name? Soleimani? Soleimani, Soleimani, who was killed by Donald Trump in a fantastic attack on a monster. And uh, there was a bomb there, and it turns out it was Islamic State. Of course, uh, the Iranians, I think they blamed Israel. But it turns out it was Islamic State. Now why would Islamic State bomb Iran, Bomb Iranians? Is it because Islamic state is Sunni and, and Iran is Shiite? Do you know why? That's an interesting question. Islamic State claims responsibility for deadly bomb attack at Soleimani, Soleimani, sorry. Memorial. I, I, I gotta say, if you if you grieve Soleimani's death, you're you're not among the, the, not among the good folks. Islamic State militants claimed, what'd you say? Maybe they just
0: like killing
1: people, and there were a lot of people there. Oh, that's your theory on the Islamic State bomb. Maybe they just like killing people. There's truth to that. Islamic State militants claimed responsibility Thursday for a pair of bombings that killed dozens of people a day earlier in the largest attack in Iran since the country's 1979 Islamic Revolution, dispelling suspicions that Israel might have been behind the attack amid worries of a broadening regional conflagration. I'm laughing because, of course, blame Israel. The blasts took place with the Middle East on edge because of the war in Gaza. An Islamist militant group, Hamas, has moved closer to Iran in recent years and increased tensions between the U.S. and Israel on one side and other Iranian-backed militant groups in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and Yemen on the other. Hmm. But what we need, I'll tell you what the West needs, when you think about it, is more people from Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. You know, don't you agree? That's what the West is is really lacking. An American airstrike killed an Iran-backed militia leader Thursday in Baghdad, raising concerns that the Israel-Hamas conflict could spread to multiple fronts and pull the U.S. into a more direct confrontation as American forces come under increased attack. Islamic State said that two of its operatives had detonated explosive belts at the public ceremony in the southeastern town of Kerman, where crowds were commemorating the death of Qasem Soleimani, commander of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps elite Quds, Quds is Arabic for Jerusalem force, who was killed in January 2020 by a U.S. strike. Oh, you see? The ideology of Islamic State, a hardline Sunni group, considers Shiite Muslims, which make up a majority of Iran's population, to be apostates. There you go. That's right. You were right and I was right. They like to kill and, and they're Shiites. Dennis Prager here with a man I have come to admire for his work. So when I asked him, what do you do? This is the title he gave, Wealth Architect.
0: Very simply put, I am a wealth architect that helps my clients accelerate the way they grow your wealth. It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. The Internal Revenue Code is embedded with a number of things that you can take advantage of. It's what I call playing tax chess. We take the time to play tax chess in your favor. We tend to give our clients unbiased, independent advice across all areas in their financial life because we have no incentive to sell anything. We can't just take your information, say in February or March, prepare the returns and say, oh, these are the things you should have done. It's too late. You need to meet with me now. Because oftentimes, after the close of the calendar year, some of the strategies that we implement in your financial life can't be implemented retroactively.
1: You have, in fact, saved me a serious amount of money. Head to CharlesDombeck.com slash Prager to schedule your meeting today. So now the death toll at the Soleimani Memorial, which was well guarded, by the way is now in Iran 85, and the Iranian government has blamed the United States and Israel, though Islamic State is taking credit. And one, it seems to me to be a fairly powerful argument that it wasn't the U.S. or Israel, is that it was two suicide bombers. Israel and the United States don't have suicide bombers. America may be committing suicide, but it is not via suicide bombing. And anyway, that's suicide here, not suicide there. It's not a not a good part of the world, my friends. But people are not allowed to say that because then they're called Islamophobic. As if the world of the, the Islamic world, especially in the Middle East, is the moral equivalent of Western civilization. There are awful people in the West and terrific people in the Muslim world, but the civilizations that have been created at this time in history, there is no comparison, which is why so many people from the Islamic world want to live in the West and it's hard to imagine anybody in the Western world who doesn't have a relative there wanting to move to let us say Syria. Imagine your neighbor showing up one day at your house and say, you know, we've decided to move. And if you live where I do in California, that's something you hear constantly. And you say, oh, we're Florida. No, 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 no. Syria. It's an unlikely scenario. So we put it to you that way. Most unlikely. So you've got the U-Haul data talking about moving. U-Haul 20, 2023 data confirms blue state exodus. So it's got a listing of all the states. Is that the issue here? Yeah. U-Haul, what is it, growth states? I'm not. I'm not sure how to read this chart, to be honest. So it says Texas 18. What does that mean? Florida 19. It doesn't, I can't say I understand what it means. No, if you look at it really, really carefully, that's all you see. It can now cost four to ten times more to rent a U-Haul in a blue state like California to move to a red state like Utah than to make the opposite move. (laughs) Uh, Yep, that makes sense. This is to reimburse the U-Haul companies for the cost of having to pay a driver to get the vans and trucks back to the blue states. That's what I say. If you if you know somebody, one of the rare few to actually move from a red state uh, to a blue state, from a conservative or Republican-run state to a Democratic-controlled state, the U-Haul should pay them. That they're, yeah,
0: that's exactly what happened. Well, they don't pay them, but it's.
1: Much oh, it's cheaper. a much cheaper. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is but like the chart paying them. Is just yeah, states. it's it's four to ten times cheaper.
0: Yeah, but the chart is.
1: The chart is what.
0: Is a listing of U, it's U-Haul growth states, the states that U-Hauls are going to.
1: No, it's. Just, it's. Okay. Number
0: one, Texas, which was number one in the
1: previous year. Number oh, this 18, is. So what does the number 18 mean?
0: Where are you seeing
1: 18? Texas 18 Florida 19 North Carolina 20 Oh I'm reading oh god it's not a very, very easily read list I get it those are the number that's the order of the states So that so California is 50th Yeah California the the least number of people moving This is fascinating 50, Yeah, yeah now 50, I'm really 50, fascinated 48 is so right, so forty nine. In other words, the the least number of Americans are moving to California. Right. The second least from, U-Haul perspective, from well U haul. U-Haul. Okay, you well well U haul is the best indication. Yeah. Massachusetts is next. Most people leaving. Illinois is next. New Jersey, Michigan, Louisiana, Maryland, New York, Connecticut. <laughs> Uh, that pretty much covers it. the The first nine states. I don't know. As, I don't know what Louisiana's uh, political makeup is. The states most moved to are Texas, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Idaho, Washington. How do you explain that? I I don't think they're moving to Seattle though but maybe, maybe they are. We'll be back. So Harvard had 17% fewer early applications. And it, it, I'd be very curious, are general are people going to college less and less? That would be a, a very good thing for the United States and for these individuals. There is more poison than good at nearly every university in this country. They're run by children, fools. They're run by fools who have no interest in truth, beauty, and goodness. They have ideological left wing. They've been brainwashed, and they want to continue the brainwash. So they have banned DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You must understand the billions of dollars devoted to DEI. A lot of people have a job because they can't do anything else. You you have to understand the importance of departments of gender studies and DEI on campuses. These are people who, for the most part, could not make a living in anywhere near the financial state that they do on campus, because they don't have anything to anything of depth to offer. This is truly it's it's an employment plan for the, for the empty DEI and much of college teaching. So what they're doing now in uh, in, in Texas where. TEI has been banned. Of course, they're not firing anybody. They're just rebranding it. Yeah, that's right. That's what they're doing. So here, for example, University of Texas-Dallas President Richard Benson. What are the qualifications to be a university president as a general rule? Cowardice is one. I know that. I've said that since all of my broadcast career, 40 years. You've heard me say that. Deans and presidents are chosen based on cowardice. University of Texas, Dallas, President Richard Benson. i got to look him up. I want to know how, what his sterling record is. Promised in August that none of the school's DEI employees would go away. See? They, oh, <laughs> Exactly. Of course not. Instead, he said they will be renamed, the goals and the employees be renamed to avoid scrutiny by the state. If you look past what maybe you call it, you know, diversity and inclusion, if it's things like mentoring, recruiting, and the like, support, we will continue to do those things, and so it will go under a different name. They're not even afraid to just say it's going to go under a different name. University of Texas at San Antonio, President Taylor Amy, E-I-G-H-M-Y, similarly told her campus that instead of eradicating the school's DEI office, she planned to rename it the Office of Campus and Community Belonging. Oh, that's 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 precious. That uh, that's, that deprives the Babylon B of yet another joke. They'd have come up with that. The office of campus and community belonging. Children keeping children children. Imagine that. You don't, go to, you don't go to college to grow up. You go to belong. That's how I feel about, actually, you know what? I think we should put a sign on the door of the studio. This Welcome to the community of belonging. Yeah, right? Be
0: really, really
1: nice. It would be really nice, and, and there's some truth to it. Sean is nodding as well. To have both of you nod at the same time, and of course, the ubiquitous thumbs up from Rick in calligraphy. Yeah, no, I agree. Oh, we should have it printed up. This is the Prager Campus Office of Campus and Community Belonging. Well, they have safe spaces, and they have community belonging, and they have trigger warnings. Do you understand the infantilization of your child when he or she goes to college? Because the longer they keep them infants, the more malleable their minds. I'm writing today to share a new path. The language is such a giveaway. No one talks like this. My dear producer, in your life, have you ever shared a new path? Think Right? I, I, I wonder if I could start talking like them. I, it's, it's, it's hard to master that language unless you're in that world. I'd like to share a new path that upholds the law while still advancing our core values to ensure a welcoming, collaborative, and supportive environment where all faculty, staff, and students can thrive. That's the word that comes to mind, isn't it? When you think about students on an American campus thriving. Yeah. Well, that's what they do. This is the state of the university, 2024. We continue on the Dennis Prager Show. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts ever. They are all also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code PRAGER or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com promo code PRAGER. Join me! It's the happy, 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 happy hour. Yes, it is. My dear friends, today inaugurates the 25th anniversary of the Happiness Hour. We started in 99. That is 25 years ago. It's the happy, 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 happy hour, my dear friends. Moral obligation to act happy even if you don't feel it. You cannot inflict your bad moods on others any more than you inflict bad breath or bad body odor. Wash the mood away. Happiness is a big deal. The happy make the world better. The unhappy make it worse. If everybody were happy, there wouldn't be much crime. It wouldn't be much evil. Happiness is a BD, big deal. Well, it's the first Friday. Happiness hour is the second hour every Friday. We have never missed, no matter how many bad things have happened that week. We have that's what we do on Fridays because if I can't talk about happiness because of bad events, then what's the good of the happiness hour? The whole point is when it's challenged and bad things happen, right? Right. So, being that it's the first Friday of the year, let us talk about New Year's resolutions. On my best of show on New Year's, it was discussed, so I have a different angle, but I do want to talk about substantive resolutions. First, let me repeat something I have often said. I am for New Year's resolutions even if people break them, and the odds are you will break them. The question is when. Will you break them on January 2nd? Will you break them August 2nd? Will you keep them forever? These are great questions, but I believe even if you break it the same week you make it, it is worth making it because at least you know what you need to do in most cases. Unless you make a New Year's resolution this year, I will be lazier than last year. Rarely do people make such resolutions. So I have an interesting question for you, in addition to what I want to talk about. So call in immediately if you can answer this question in the affirmative. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution that you kept. 1-8 Prager 776. And did it make you happier? That's, that's well, that's you're saying, and did it make you happier? Well... Keeping it. Keeping that Keeping it make you happier. Well, I assume that people don't keep a resolution that will make them unhappier. Yeah. I mean, so I, I have to believe that... Okay. That that is correct, unless you made a resolution. Sean has on occasion made a resolution. I I will be a little less happy this year, and it made you happier. Made you happier. That's that's a very witty response. It is my joy to acknowledge Sean's wit. In fact, uh, what do you want? Volume six of Sean's wit now? Yeah. They're as big as, uh, what is it, my permits mitzvah book? Great Jews in sports. <laughs> no. There were great Jews in sports, and Sean is witty. Okay, all right, let, let anybody be offended. But there was a very telling moment in my life that at 13, I didn't think the book was important. <laughs> and I was very committed and remain committed religious Jew. one 8 prager 776 877 Have you made a resolution and kept it? I'd like to hear from you. In the meantime, there are two forms of New Year's resolutions. This might help you. One is for your betterment. And the other is for how you treat others. Now, that is your betterment. That's your moral betterment. So, in a sense, they're both your betterment. But your betterment, I'm thinking, benefits you specifically. You will lift weights this year. You will eat less sugar this year. You will get more sleep. You will... Exercise more. I mean, what, whatever it, it th- those are typical personal benefits resolutions. But I think that people should think about moral slash ethical resolutions as well. I will, and then fill in the blank. It would be very interesting. We should do, maybe we'll do a part two next week. If you made a resolution to become a better human being, not, not more fit, you, you know, that, that sort of thing, what, what would you do? Do, do people even think about, I don't think most people think about it. I mean, this is not a put-down. It, it, it's not a compliment, but it's not a put-down. It's not meant to be. But how many people think about how can I be a better, finer, more honest, more noble human being? That's one of the reasons that I like the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, because that's all it is about it's entirely it's not about weightlifting it it is about character lifting so that'll be a, that will be a very interesting topic you have that is that uh, that's that's really good and it, it forces people to ask I mean, nobody thinks they're perfect obviously so therefore what would you work on if you were to work on any aspect of your character. That's a really good one. I I don't know if a lot of people could answer that. Everybody would acknowledge that they have room for improvement as a human being. But if I would ask, okay, so where specifically? That would be interesting. Will you say, I will tell the truth more? I will be more courageous. I will be more honest. I will uh, yell at my spouse less and yell at my kids more. (laughs) All right. Anyway, the question on the table is, did you ever make a New Year's resolution and keep it? All right, here we go. Well, wow. in Chaska, Minnesota, Greg. Hi, Dennis. Hi.
3: 25 years ago, I swore to myself I would never wake up on another New Year's Day with a hangover, and I haven't had a drink since.
1: Is that right?
3: Yep. Yeah, that was enough for me. I just said, you know, and and I I know you're talking about working out, but I went the other direction. I said, every New Year's Day, I'm going to start my year feeling good with a workout. I work out regularly anyway, but I just swear I was never going to feel like crap the first day of the year, and I just haven't picked up a drink since.
1: Were were you, would you characterize yourself as having been an alcoholic? Absolutely. Were you married at the time?
3: Uh, No, I was not. Partly because of my previous,
1: yeah, yeah, no, no, makes perfect sense. I was, I was curious. That are you married now?
3: Yes, and it's been almost
1: twenty-five years. (laughs) Really? So you found somebody almost immediately.
3: Uh, we had dated and I she had experienced seeing me under the influence of alcohol but you know I wasn't a day-to-day drinker uh, I was more of a binge drinker but that you know that's I guess neither here nor there it wasn't because of uh, our relationship it was just because I had known that it caused damages in the past to other relationships and that I wasn't going to live another year like that and that day I just said that
1: So it's, you were 38 years old
3: Uh yeah yeah
1: So this is your 25th anniversary coming up on it yep just like it is of the happiness hour mm-hmm. so you have your happiness hour every hour
3: and i had my happiness hour every day with yes, that I, i'm so fortunate day. so blessed. Did,
1: did you attend aa meetings
3: oh yeah oh do yeah you still, I still do by, that I, I do not as regularly but i still live by the principles i'm my circle of friends and support are the people that i grew in aa with
1: yeah that's very common
3: very uh, you know we develop real relationships based on real life and 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 real desire to grow
1: so do you feel that you wasted your first 38 years
3: you know i still wrestle with that dennis i i haven't quite uh been able to put it all behind me i wouldn't say i wasted it because I, i look at where i am now and i wouldn't be here if it weren't for the experiences that i had Prior to sobering up. So I wouldn't say I wasted it, but I made some decisions that if I had the opportunity to go back
1: and change, I certainly would. Yeah, I believe that. Thank you so much. So here we go. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution and kept it on this, the first Friday of the New Year? Jersey City. New Jersey, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Dennis. Hi.
4: Yeah, so I made a a New Year's resolution to say the rosary every day on my uh, commute to work as a recommendation from my priest, and uh,
1: I'll be going on four years now. How, How many years? It'll be four years this year. And so I looked it up when I saw your call. So, do you do you do the what they have here, the five joyful mysteries, the five sorrowful mysteries, the five glorious mysteries, and the five luminous mysteries? Do you do that? Yes. So, th-
4: there's an app on the phone you can use, and you just go on it for each day, and it runs you through it. So, he runs the first half of the prayer, and, and you say the second half
1: cuz uh, cuz cause cause there's a fair amount to memorize if you had to memorize all of that and and uh, you yeah. are are you holding beads while you do it well no i'm driving <laughs> see i was testing
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was that you really <laughs> you really uh, preempted me on that one that was very funny
0: I'm, I'm no I, I really, the truth is, I was not testing
1: you. I'm not reporting you to the New Jersey uh, State Police. Uh, so you, you, you're you not holding it at the... How important is holding the beads while doing the rosary, while saying the rosary? I mean, I guess when you do, if you do it in church in
4: a group, the beads are pretty important. But uh, I think it's more important that it's being said. And how long does that?
1: it take you on average? It only takes about 15, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, that, that's a serious amount of time. So you, you do that uh, while driving into work? Correct. And where are you now? I'm in my car. So did you uh, sort of take time out from the rosary to call me, or you already did it, or you will no, no. do it? No, no, I did it at 6.30 this morning. All right, I don't want to feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to interrupt it. Well, God bless you, sir. It was a beautiful call, and have a good year. You too, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you. It is amazing how much, uh, how many prayers of in, any given religion are now on the on the phone. I mean, you you will. I, I have seen whole groups of Orthodox Jews doing the afternoon prayer called Mincha, and they're all they're all reading the the the, the sitter. The the prayer book is 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 on their phone. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's quite it's an amazing thing. It it is when you think about (laughs) the the gamut uh, of things that are on the internet. It's it's really uh, it's really quite something. The junk and the beauty. It's really something. All right, Phoenix, Arizona, Anthony.
5: Hey, Mr. Krieger, how are you doing? Well. Awesome. Yeah, so um, I actually had two New Year's resolutions in a row that I had uh, followed through all the way. So about uh, three years ago, my wife and I split up, and um, I started drinking, using a lot of drugs, and my life just went downhill. And that year, my boss took me out for a Christmas dinner. He asked me what my New Year's resolution was, and I told him I want to get my life straight again. I want to get off of the drugs, off of the drinking. And I've been drug-free since April 1st of 2022 now. And so last year, I made a resolution. I said, you know what? I took care of that last one. Let me do another one. And I made a resolution to to spend the next New Year's with my family again, to get my wife back in my house, get my kids back. And happy to say, yeah, last week we spent New Year's together in a new house. We left Chicago, came out here to Phoenix, and uh, everything's going great now. Wait a
1: minute. This is a very rare thing. Not the first part, thank God. You divorced and are now back together? We didn't uh, legally
5: divorce. We were actually going through a divorce. Um, we had made a couple of court appearances, and, uh, yeah, we were right about there. And, yeah, we ended up talking, working things out, and we're out here living together, working together, doing everything together
1: again. How did the kids react?
5: They loved it. They lo- I've never seen so much joy come out of them.
1: It's a very dramatic story. Yes,
5: yeah, so it would it was beautiful there was a lot more that came into it and that helped bring us together um but yes it was it was great and uh, needless to say i couldn't be happier right now
1: i'm very happy it's a beautiful call did you attend aa meetings i did not so what i did um
5: i i wanted to get myself all cleaned up and uh my dad actually lives by himself in a tiny town out in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, and he got sick. So I left Chicago to go help him out for, it was supposed to be a couple weeks, and it ended up turning into about a nine-month, I guess you can say, a self-rehabilitation stint for me. Um, I didn't know anybody out there, I couldn't get anything out there, and frankly, I wasn't able to, to partake in anything while trying to help my dad out. and ended up being out there for about nine months, and it cleaned me up completely.
1: So your father saved you?
5: That he did. That I can't tell you how many times. He's, he's my best friend, hands down. But, yes, he saved my life.
1: Is he, is he well now?
5: That he is. Um, my wife and I are trying to get him to actually move out here to Phoenix. That way, if something does happen again, we're close by.
1: In retrospect, would you say that your marital problems that led to separation and initiating, though not completing, divorce was a 50-50 issue or more one than the other as the problem?
5: I'd like to say it's 50-50, but if I want to be completely honest, I, I had a lot of issues and I ended up addressing them while out there with my dad. I had a Some problems besides the drugs and the alcohol.
1: well, Well, you're a joy to hear from. It's a beautiful, another beautiful call. Back in a moment.
2: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: That's a new one. And I don't wanna spend my whole life Who's the singer? All right, everybody, the Happiness Hour, and the question: Given that it's the first Friday of the year, Maybe did you ever make a New Year's resolution and keep it? These, this has been wonderful. I'm, I'm really glad I came up with uh with this topic oh uh, and i and i i love the 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 variety uh and you know, the amount i have grown talking to people of every background and uh, this is an example wow i mean some very powerful ones here okay here's a good one well they're all good mendocino california dawn hello Hey,
2: Dennis. Happy New Year to you.
1: Thank you. You too.
2: Yes. Well, um, I, back in 2020, my New Year's resolution was to not live in fear, and I had no idea that when I had made that resolution that the whole world was going to go crazy, <laughs> and uh, and it was great in the sense of, you know, it definitely I, I was definitely put to the test <laughs> while everybody else around me was freaking out about, you know, COVID and freaking out about uh, at the time I was living in Los Angeles. I'm born and raised uh, Los Angelian, and uh, riots were breaking out in the summertime on top of you know everything else and I just figured it out that you know fear had so much to do with um, anxiety Depression, And I wasn't this person who was outwardly fearful, you know. I mean, people would look at me and see she's pretty confident. But I realized that a lot of the internal struggle that I went through, and most people, you know, struggle with, like, oh, I'm fear of, you know, am I going to get married or fear of not having enough money or fear of, you know, I'm not good enough. I mean, there's a whole host of things, issues that have to do with fear. And so when I made that decision, and in 2020, like I said, when everybody was flipping out i was calm are you married i, never, uh, I am now <laughs> were you then so i was not <laughs> Uh uh-huh. because i was curious I was
1: did, did you meet did you marry a man on the assumption that it's a man did yes. you marry a man who has the same attitude toward not having fear
2: Not necessarily, but I've definitely been able to help him out with a lot of that. And so uh, it's been good. And I really feel like, too, that on the other, you know, the flip side, you know, when it came to 2021 and vaccines and all that other stuff, everybody was like, well, I have to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to fear that I'm going to lose my house and I'm going to fear that I'm going to lose this. I mean, it all really boiled down to fear. Yeah, yeah, I
1: agree. agree. Yeah, you, you might want to know, my dear friend Rabbi David Wozmika, a pro- very very prominent American rabbi and a very close friend for decades, uh, pointed out. Actually, he got it, I think, from Rabbi Harold Kushner, because I'm a big stickler on citing sources. And anyway, uh, he he told me that the thing that God says the most in the Old Testament to human beings is do not fear. That's, so that's really important, yep. Uh, Carson, California, Jim, hello. Hi, Dennis. Hi.
6: So I decided this year uh, to begin making donations uh, on, a, on a monthly basis to my certain voices and podcasts, uh, because I think those voices at this particular time need to be heard more than ever. i uh, not looking for any accolades, but you is one of them, and it's coming straight out of my card. I don't have to think about it. It's just done.
1: Well, uh, that's a very important thing, and I'm very happy I took your call That's, that's a, that it's funny because I suggested that as a New Year's resolution when I, when I spoke about Americans for Progress, for for Prosperity and Hillsdale, wasn't even mentioning PragerU, but my, my motto is of course that those who help the fighters are as important as the fighters and that's of course, it's a truism. You can't complain about the country if you don't fight. Don't fight, don't complain. That's a great resolution. That's right. I say these names and sponsors and other groups, and I know most people just don't bother. This is it, everybody. The hour you set the agenda, whatever's on your mind, about you, about me, about life, about death, and about, of course, classical music, fountain pens, photography, audio equipment, and cigars. (laughs) 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 All right, everybody. And I remind you as we begin the hour that you should not be offended if I don't take your call. If I drop the line, it is not personal. I may have talked about it a lot. I may not know anything about the subject. There could be any number of reasons, none of which reflect poorly on you. So please don't be offended. And let's go. Let's see what we have here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Tom and Alvin, Texas. This is truly, this is not a joke. This is the famous Tom of Alvin.
6: Good morning, Dennis. Uh, great to talk to you again. And um, just to let everybody know if- I have been re- uh, rejected from your calls many, 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 many times. Only so because like <laughs> you call often.
1: And I, I well, feel that's like I, that's the only reason. It's, you, oh, okay. you have very witty emails, comments. Sean doesn't like you, but I do. Yeah, well, the feeling's mutual. Um, oh, well done. <laughs> you know, that was, that was effective. So, um, you, and you, I watched your fireside
6: chat with Aaron and I was, I'm a fan of his now. And, um, you started out by saying something about how you were always, uh, um, interested in the people around the people that you're interested in. Right. And, um, that got me to, and then, um, uh, to, to add to that on Monday, I believe your uh, best of show had a call from your mother.
1: Wow, um, that you realize,
6: wow, and that was a best know, of
1: show from a long time ago, right? You
6: didn't rec- You said, and now Hilda from, and I, I can't. I get some. I assume from New York, and um, it was into the call somewhere where you said, "Is this my mom?" And um, anyway, so. Bottom line is, I uh, find that very interesting too. To find out about more, uh, more about the people in your life, the uh, people around your show. You had a, you had uh, one of your call screeners on one time, and that was a fan- fascinating. Oh, show. she
1: was she's terrific. Yes, Leslie. Yep, that's right.
6: And um, so, I would encourage oh. you to have more people in the background. Uh, I would love that.
1: You know, seriously. Thank you, uh, Tom. It's gr- great to hear from you. So, first, let me just note that if you haven't seen it, I did a fireside chat, which I hope you know about. I've been doing a uh, 320 in a row. Uh, every week on PragerU is a half-hour fireside chat. And it's it's got a very large audience around the world, mostly young people. And I rarely... Maybe maybe maximum of four times a year. And that means 48 I do alone and maybe four with a guest. So I had a guest on two weeks ago, my younger son, Aaron Prager. And it, uh, it's really been well received for good reason. He, he's a remarkable young man who has gone through a lot in his life including being born to a meth addict because we adopted him his late mother and I adopted him when uh, the day he was born and she was a teenager and uh, she was a meth addict and Anyway, it has turned out really well. He does his own podcast now, AP Unfiltered. AP is for Aaron Prager. He never gave his last name until this was his sort of coming out as as Aaron Prager as opposed to just AP. AP Unfiltered, one word. If you want to check that out. So, uh, yes, uh, I had one screener on. I, I would ache to have my wife on. It, it, what can I say? It will take a lot of persuading. Certainly, want my older son on. And uh, yes, I am. I'm always fascinated. I would say, well, the the case of Aaron, the fascination is his life. Uh, and his observations on his life. He's. Uh, he's been sober now for seven years. He's married to a wonderful woman. He wants to start a family. It's, it's really it's it's beautiful to see what has happened. Generally speaking, I'm I my first interest in a public figure is their spouse because after all the kids they. They they arrived as it were, (laughs) but one chooses a spouse, and that that's the peer. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, Let's see. Um. Ron in in uh, Valley Glen, California. Hello.
6: Yes, it's Brian.
1: I'm sorry. My name is Brian. It's Brian, and it says here, Ron. Uh-oh. Hold well, on, Van Glen. Glenn. Hold on there. What do you say, Sean? No, Sean is the referee of Punishment Room. No Punishment Room. Okay, go <laughs> ahead.
5: I'm glad of that. Now, uh, last night, I had a dream. I woke up in the morning and thought of it immediately. It was a cold cell with bare blue, light blue walls, and it lasted just a second or two and it it woke me up with with the thought of those uh, political prisoners and uh, it's it's an established form of torture so it came upon me to ask you to request all your listeners to send just one dollar on their behalf and with that buy a good quality radio portable radio so they can communicate with their families through your
6: radio station and I think that's a wonderful idea. It came to me, and I know it's it's sent to me. Well, it, it's way.
1: certainly well intended, and you are right that uh, some of them have been put under a form of torture because of the solitary confinement, like my friend John Strand. Uh, I I don't think any of them lack for the ability to afford a radio or or what have you. It's I don't know what they allow in. Was it Dostoevsky, I think, the great Russian novelist, who I think he is the one who said something to the effect that you can judge a society by its prisons. If so, we, we don't come out well. I mean, just think about Derek Chauvin being stabbed so many times. How does that happen? the The amount of violence in in prisons is, does not reflect well on our our prison staff communities. The, the, it's a big, it's a big issue. Nobody is requesting that they be country clubs, but the, the, the chaos. Do you know that, was his name Burl Kane, was that his name? The, the warden of the Angola State Penitentiary in uh, Louisiana one of the most important days of my life when I was invited to go to the largest state penitentiary, Angola, in Louisiana years ago. I broadcast from Louisiana. It was a very powerful trip. I went into death row as well, and I told you about that because of my moral dilemma. Do I shake any of their hands? How do I treat them? Yeah, it was Burl Kane. That man turned the most violent prison around. He was a religious Christian and he he he, he made it the safest prison. But it wasn't reported because the press doesn't want you to know about it. Dennis Prager here, and let's uh, let's go to uh... mm, good. I'm looking. So let's go to Baltimore and Kevin. Hello.
0: Hi. Good afternoon, Dennis. Um, is, here's a theme that you brought up several times, I think, I don't know, for at least a couple of years, and yesterday you brought it up, and that's the idea, is that if you're an atheist, you wish you were correct. Um, no, 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 do, do you,
1: it's the question I ask atheists that I dialogue with, do you hope you're right or wrong?
0: Yes, yes, well, I'm... I'm practicing Catholic. I, I was raised Catholic, but I was about a ten year interim in my life when I said I'm an atheist and I lived a kind of a licentious life in my young years, like maybe maybe 12 I was about twenty five, maybe. But it was about ten years and and, and I knew that if I was if, if there was a God I I, I, you know, I wish I was I wish there was no God because if there was I'd be facing God's wrath when I pass away. That was what terrified me. It was God's—that's a very interesting,
1: yeah, uh, very interesting response.
0: Yeah, I mean, I and yesterday I,
1: I, you really opened my eyes because yeah. I uh, wow, that's really interesting. I have to, I have to process this. So my oh. argument is when I ask an atheist that that I'm about to dialogue or debate with do you hope you're right or wrong? I have always regarded that as a test of the person's intellectual honesty, because who wants to hope there's no God, no afterlife, no, no, no nothing. There's oblivion for eternity. But you're saying that, well... It's better than, than burning in hell. <laughs> well, okay, but not everybody will believe even that. But they, but you're right, the... the However, God dispenses judgment. If they're an atheist, they will not be judged. That's your point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that's uh...
1: very intelligent. <laughs> that's a very good challenge to uh, to my thinking on that. So it's a sort of uh, which which do you prefer? Not being judged. But uh, not being judged and not having any communication with a loved one forever. It's over. You die. Everything is over. Forever. Forever and ever. That's uh, that's one side, but on the other side, you don't get judged. However, my immediate response would be, that most atheists don't think that they will be judged negatively. Well, certainly the atheists I have dialogued with and some of the most prominent ones, some of them are on YouTube, they don't think that they're anything but good people. So they would be judged uh, judged accordingly and, and not punished. But it was a very interesting challenge because that's big animating aspect of atheism. People don't want to be judged. The Hebrew Bible introduced the judging God into the world, and as Ernest Vandenhag and other non-Jews have written, the Jews have never been forgiven for it. One eight Prager seven seven six, and let's see. Robert in Glendale, Arizona. Hi.
5: Hey, Dennis, how are you? Thanks for taking my call? I really appreciate it.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Hey, um, been, I've been listening for a while, and uh, I noticed recently, and it may, maybe it, maybe it's been longer than that, but uh, I'm noticing an uptick in calls to, uh, from Arizona to your show. Uh, usually I hear you know Midwest, Middle East, uh, the East, East Coast, but recently it's been Arizona. And I have to think that that's either a sign that, uh, uh, you know, maybe Arizona was not uh, completely fairly judged the last election on uh, who that we might have been siding for. I don't want to say anything incorrect or that the culture is shifting towards more conservative in this area, because most people that call your show already have conservative values. And the second thing I wanted to say real quick was, have you tried Michael Knowles cigars it is Mayflower cigars? Thank you.
1: Thank you. The answer to the second is yes. I think they're delicious. Absolutely, they they gave it to me in my visit uh, this past summer to Daily Wire. It's just uh, really good cigars. You should definitely. I don't know if they're on sale now. In other words, they're for sale now. I think it was like a, an early edition, and I got a box. It was, it's really they're really. I'm not paid to say this. I have no obligation. But they were exactly my taste in the cigar. Full-bodied, yummy. 1-8 Prager, 776 877 We actually, a rarity here. We have a few lines open, so you might be able to get through. I've always had a, a large listener base in Arizona. So I I don't know uh, there may be more callers coming in that like I can't judge but I don't know uh I don't know if it reflects any new development Californians moving into Arizona was a bad thing just as with our Oregon and Washington state and like New Yorkers who moved into Florida. It's not just Middle Easterners who bring bad values. Not every single one, but many. So too New Yorkers in California. Okie dokie, what's on your mind hour? This is it. And Eric, well, look at that. Having said the last caller about Arizona calls in Phoenix. Hello.
4: Hello, Dennis. It is an honor to speak with you. Thank you. I appreciate you have taught me many things and I've, I've used your teachings with my, my kids to teach them proper thinking, and, and clarity in their life. So I appreciate
1: you well, so much. It's a lovely thing to hear. Thank you.
4: Yeah, I, I just had a comment in regards to the atheists that you were referring to. I, I served a, a church mission, so I had a chance to meet people of all different faiths and many atheists, and it, it came across for me that I saw atheists that that wished that they, they hoped that they were wrong had... A, a, a sincere desire to be good people and do good things as best as they could in this society. the society. The atheists that I met that were hoped that they were right were more seemed to be like more arrogant, wanting to be right for themselves, and maybe had less desire to do good in the world. They didn't care. They wanted freedom of doing whatever they wanted when they want. That was my Experience. Right, it's so it's
1: you're fun. you're echoing uh, in, in your way uh, exactly what that man opened my eyes to. Why people yeah. who are atheists might wish that they are right, because I've always considered that to be a, uh, a disqualifying response to the question, do you hope you're right or wrong? You're right. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. There, there is such a an aversion to the idea of being judged that they rather there not be a god. That's a very interesting point. Very good. Let us go to Burbank, California. Jim, hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. Sean, I, I blame you. Now, you're probably wondering, Sean, why am I blaming you? Right? No, no, no. Oh, you uh-huh. you're, you're not. Uh huh. You're not. You're not wondering at all. You're used to it. That was a bitter comment. That was bitter, very bitter. Okay, let's go to somebody else. Uh, Richmond, Virginia. Joe. Hello, Joe of Richmond.
3: Hey, Dennis. Um... Given that there's a world full of people that are hungry, lack clean drinking water, are homeless, is it moral for a person to have $800 million in their bank account?
1: It's a a very interesting question. So, but we have to flesh it out. So, let me put it to you this way. Is it moral, given... What you described—is it moral to have ten million dollars in a bank account? Is that for me to answer? Yes, yes.
0: Oh, Well,
3: uh, I know we're just—I've just picked a number. And the only reason, I right? That you are right,
1: is, but but at, so what? The reason that I pose the question is your your question implies that at some level of wealth given all the poverty in the world it's not moral to have all that money so yes. Yes. so uh, i'm just clarifying with you at what level beyond need is it okay so few people need let's say 10 million dollars is, yeah. is that wrong in other words are, by your question from your question i infer that you're you're asking can we have anything beyond necessity in a world of poverty is that what you're asking or are you specifically asking some very large number i,
3: I just I think, after a certain point, people are comfortable, they could be really comfortable, $10 bucks, million, $20 million, but I think everybody could agree on $800 million. I
1: understand. your no point. Yes. No one needs
3: that money, and I don't want it to be illegal.
1: No, no, right, money. you're a good man. It's a very fair question. It is a very fair question. Uh, I, I would say that if you have that amount of money, and you don't give large sums of it to good causes, there. You have sinned, yes. Uh, I think that that is fair to say. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com.